This is the Freddie and Harry podcast on ESPN Radio. We bring in Shannon Penn. Now, I'm not saying we were eavesdropping, but we were eavesdropping. He was having a conversation. He's about to have a procedure, same-day procedure. A little maintenance, a, a little, little care, you know, right a little touch-up here and there. And so we're all paying attention. And also we hear Shannon Penn. I weigh 208 pounds, but I carry it well. We heard that even Dev was like, wait, what? And Orlando goes, what did he just say? Uh-huh. I'm 6'6", and I weigh 225, uh-huh. and I think that I carry Oh! You certainly do. <laughs> okay, Shannon, how well are you really carrying this 208? He pancakes Shannon Penn into a corner <laughs> because he didn't carry it well. Welcome to the best show on your radio. You know it better as Freddie and Harry. Thank you very much. Got my man Orlando Franklin in for Harry Douglas. I'm Freddie Coleman. We are presented by Progressive Insurance on the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, and always tell your smart speaker to play ESPN radio. We love this time of day each and every Thursday, although I can guarantee you for the next 10 minutes, I'm going to have to suffer for my art because we got Aaron Dolan, who's a great style. As an ESPN sports betting analyst, hit her on Twitter. She's a great follow at Aaron K. Dolan. She is a noted Philadelphia Eagles fan. Yes. I'm a noted Dallas Cowboys fan. And Jets fan. And Jets fan. <laughs> it was not a good week for me. So, Aaron Dolan, the floor is yours. Let me I have mean, it. I started off my email with some of the questions I was sending over today with how about them Cowboys? <laughs> I got to take so it. I got to swallow it. I mean, it's one thing to not be able to cover the spread. It's another thing to lose outright to the Arizona Cardinals with a win total uh, of three and a half. You're speaking but like, facts. Honestly, I thought they were going to sleepwalk in that anyways. But mm-hmm. why did you think they're going to sleepwalk? Why? Because they're going to. I thought they were going to look ahead to this week against the Patriots. Fan thing. Like it's Arizona Cardinals. Like you're rolling. You're rolling. Oh, this is a terrible team. We're going to go in here. We're going to do our business and whatnot. I mean, they didn't even go up in that game. Right. Not at all. Not I had so many friends text me at the half. Oh my God, we're hammering Dallas. Should we do it? Should we do it? They're going to come back. There's no way they lose. And I'm like, I wouldn't touch this game anymore. Mm-hmm. Did they pay attention to you? I hope. I hope. <laughs> they didn't follow up. So I'm, I'm, I'm assuming they didn't. Yeah. One of the things about that, before we get back to the NFL, Damian Lillard being traded to Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah. How much of that impacted the NBA Finals odds based on that trade that happened yesterday, Aaron? Yeah, it absolutely did. So it moved from plus 750 to plus 375. They're now the favorite jumping over the Denver Nuggets. Now, would I go bet this at plus 375? No, I don't think there's any value in betting on the Milwaukee Bucks at this number. Plus, don't forget, you're tying this money up till potentially next June. Okay, right. this is these are some long shots, obviously. But at the same time, I mean, you have to factor in injuries, ebbs and flows, and there's always a potential to get a better number. Now, again, always the potential. It could just move down and they could roll in the regular season and we could get the worst of the number. But keep in mind the Denver Nuggets heading into last season, they were 16 to 1. Sometime around November, they went to 18 to 1. Right before the playoffs, they were 11 to 1, and they ended up winning it all. So there's so many things that can happen over so many months. So don't need jerk reaction to Damian Lillard going on that team. They're going to be able to put up a ton of points during games, but it'll be interesting to see how that defense looks without Drew Holiday. When I bet on the Milwaukee Bucks, we're talking first quarter spreads. We're right. talking first half. And then something happens in the third, fourth quarter where they just can't figure things out sometimes. So I like to bet the Milwaukee Bucks game to game. I'm not a big futures girl betting anyways. I don't tie money up. But at that point, for example, if you're even looking at the win total, it's a 54 and a half, which is the highest win total. Mm-hmm. The Celtics are behind them at 53 and a half. If you bet the over on that, it's at minus 125. So are you going to wait all the way to next, like, April, May to get that money, or are you just going to bet on something tonight at minus 125 and make the money tonight? doesn't make a lot of sense in these markets to me, but they should be able to hit over 54 and a half regular season wins for sure. Aaron, let's transition to the NFL. Um, what's your favorite player prop heading into week four? So I'm looking at Jordan Love to go over 32 and a half passing attempts. I okay. feel like if the Packers are going to win this game, it's not going to be on the ground. And if you look at Detroit's defense and the opposing quarterbacks that they face, 
they've all hit over this mark, flown over it. So Desmond Ritter last week, he had 38 passing attempts. Geno Smith had 41. Patrick Mahomes had 39. So while you look at this Detroit defense in terms of stopping the run, they're ranked fifth best. Mm -hmm. And they just held Atlanta to 44 rushing yards last week. So they're not really focused on the passing game. So I do think if the Packers want to exploit them, it's going to be through the air. So I do like him to hit over his passing yards attempts tonight. Aaron Dolan does a great job as an ESPN Sports betting analyst. Hit on Twitter, Aaron K. Dolan, joining Freddie Coleman and Orlando Franklin on Freddie and Harry and ESPN Radio. When it comes to tonight's game, because before the season, the Lions were a chic pick to win the NFC North. The Green Bay Packers be worried about them. You weren't the only one. Don't. Uh, I've been. I've been. Yeah. No. I trust me. I said take the Minnesota Vikings at three to one. So I'm looking a yeah. little ridiculous that, in terms a, of that market. Well, well, they're zero three in one score games and eleven zero last in one score games yeah, from the Minnesota Vikings. Those things don't usually happen back to back. But which way are you playing tonight's game involving these two teams that many people still wonder about between Detroit and Green Bay? I mean, so last night I was looking at these numbers for like two hours, okay? And I could not come up with stuff that I just absolutely loved because I feel like it could go either way. So Mm -hmm. instead, I'm going to look at the first half total, go under 22 and a half. So primetime first half unders are eight and three so far this season. On top of that primetime in general, the games have been trending towards the under 60% are cashing over the last five seasons. So a lot of people do just like to play the unders. I'm going to isolate it to the first half because the Green Bay Packers have been terrible in the first half of games so far this season. Mm -hmm. And if you look at all the games that they've played, which is a total of six, none of them have had a first half go over 23 points. It's a divisional game. Maybe it's a little bit tougher. So first half under 22 and a half points. Aaron, I got to, you know, ask you about the, the, the bad side of football, the winless teams oh, in the Lord. National Football Look League, you know. <laughs> so um, what, what would some of those bets, what would your bets be for the winless teams in the, in the NFL, the Vikings, Bears, Broncos? So I know I mentioned the Minnesota Vikings already because I thought that, you know, at the price three to one heading into the season, maybe they could pull out some wins. And clearly they've just been absolutely atrocious. Okay, Mm -hmm. they've lost all three games, but they have lost by an average of like four points. So they've been close. Obviously, the pick at the end of the Chargers game, they were they were just about to win that game this week. I think they roll against the Carolina Panthers. For an 0-3 team, keep in mind Kirk Cousins, he has 46 passing attempts per game, 358 passing yards per game. And then you have a Panthers offense that's only averaging 18 points. They might put Bryce Young back under center. I don't think that's going to do much. I know a lot of people think, all right, well, the Panthers' strength was going to be this defense, but they're also allowing 27 points per game. So this is one of those spots in which the Minnesota Vikings, they need a win. Like, not that the Panthers don't. It just feels like the Vikings, for how they've been playing, they're due for, like, at least a touchdown or so. So I'd lay the points there. And then in terms of Denver, I'm just looking at the team total over 24 and a half. Ooh. Both these teams, 0-3 straight up, 0-3 against the spread. Like, at least make us some money. Okay, so <laughs> instead of even messing around with the spread, we're just isolating it to the team total because the Chicago defense has just been tragic. They've allowed 25 or more points in 13 straight games. 13 straight losses. Okay, they're absolutely terrible. So it comes down to some of these games of who do you trust more? It's kind of crazy to see Denver as a three and a half point favorite, considering okay. they just allowed 70 points to the Miami Dolphins. That is but weird. this is truly like two terrible, terrible teams this season. But Denver, I think, can start get it going, at least in terms of their team total, considering they're averaging 23 points per game. So those are the two ways I'd play the winless teams. We got to wow. make money off of these guys at some point. Yeah because everybody else has made money off the Bears and Broncos. Why can't <laughs> yeah. you make money off of that game involving the Toilet yeah. Bowl, involving both of those O and three teams? Like we mentioned, great follow on Twitter, Erin K. Dolan. She's going to be on SportsCenter. She also does a great job on the Daily Wager. She is ESPN Sports betting analyst Erin Dolan. She joins each and every Thursday at this time in studio. Yes, on I love Freddy coming on her. here. It's fun. You're, you're always welcome. Despite being an Eagles fan, you're I always mean, welcome. I mean, I ran by here. My Eagles shirt on Monday was making everybody laugh. Well, <laughs> well, where was I when this was going I, on? I, I put up 
my jersey and I ran by. Everyone's laughing. Really? They know it. Yeah. Uh, uh, n- they didn't let you know. They should have let me run in. You, you, you're always welcome. Even with that jersey. Although we'll burn it the minute it gets to the studio. You'll be always welcome. That's a super bad going right there. Yeah. Super bad going. <laughs> always appreciate Aaron. Yes, you the great work. You. Great Thanks, stuff by Aaron Dolan. Like we mentioned, great follow on Twitter. Aaron K. Dolan, ESPN Sports Betting Analyst. Joining Freddie Cohen and Orlando Franklin, part of Freddie and Harry on ESPN Radio. Presented by Progressive Insurance. You can save when you bundle motorcycle, RV, and boat insurance. All you have to do is visit Progressive.com. People keep weighing in. We're going to get to your phone calls at 888-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Who has the most approved in week four in the NFL? Could be a team. Could be a player. Could be a coach. Could be a water boy. Could be a general manager. It could be anybody, but we're going to take your calls at 888-729-3776. We're getting plenty of notice on Twitter, Orlando, when it comes to our Twitter handles at OFranklin74. That's Orlando's handle. My handle, Coleman ESPN. AGS Cards LLC says, I think the Dolphins offensive line and Tua have to prove it this weekend. The offensive line has looked good, but has to prove it against a great defensive line. And Tua has to prove he can make it through the first Bills game. The last two years, he got hurt. Rib injury and arguably a concussion in the last two games, the last two years against the Buffalo Bills in that first game. Mm, I'll add another layer to it, Freddie. Have at it. Bills offensive line coach is Butch Berry. Okay. Butch Berry was with Nathaniel Hackett last year with the Denver Broncos. And uh-huh. Butch Berry was fired after 15 games uh-huh. as the offensive line coach. So, uh-huh. yes, you got to feel pretty high and mighty last week after you're able to get over 700 yards of offense and just go unbelievable. Throw the ball, run the ball. Mm-hmm. But now you're going against Buffalo, and those guys are, are ready to come yeah. and get after it. So, very interesting matchup. But I like what this, this – uh, Man has texted us, has tweeted us because uh-huh. I do believe that. You know, even though with the success of Miami, you still got to prove it each and every week. And there are some holes on that Miami Dolphins offensive line. No, without about that, Scott in Florida, thanks for hitting us up at eight 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 seven two nine three seven seven six. Scott, we got Week Four in the NFL starting tonight, but who has the most to prove in the NFL Week Four this weekend? Yeah, thanks for having me. Like you guys were saying, or that that guy was saying. Definitely Miami. They're they're trying to get the upper echelon of of the elite teams. Well, this this is a team that's won a lot the last six years or whatever. And uh, I mean, Tuna has definitely you know got the team speed he can throw to. But if he doesn't have time and they're not winning in the trenches, then that's all going to go to waste. So. I would definitely say Miami for sure. Yeah, one of the things about the Miami Dolphins, and believe me, when you put up the kind of numbers they put up last week, even the casual fan will say, wait, what did they just do? Sometimes that can be the best thing for your team, which you did. It can be the worst thing for you trying to face a team, trying to take down the team in Buffalo. They have won and owned this division the last three years. The Dolphins believe their time is now. Buffalo does not want them to have that kind of time. And you got two teams, divisional game, and they can't stand each other. Oh, good old-fashioned hate is going to happen starting at 1 o'clock with everything leading into that game between Miami and Buffalo. Yeah, stylistically, both teams are so different, right? You look at Miami offensively, they want to, you know, put a guy, put two guys on one side and have them go back when you snap the ball, right? So they always want guys going in the opposite direction. The offensive line is going to go to the right, and now we're going to have a receiver or a tight end or a running back going to the left. But Buffalo's built on playing just tough physical football, right? We're going to see right. it. We're going to get downhill, and we're going to hit our keys. So our, my th- question that I have, Freddie, is okay. does Miami try to get too cute? 
do they try to, you know, get enamored with moving guys laterally instead of just saying, hey, we're going to come off the ball and turn this into a physical battle, and the more physical team is going to win? Yeah, it's a great question because Mike McDaniel has shown he will not go away from the running game. You can have all the pyrotechnics that the passing game is going to bring, but he's always said Al Staple is going to be running the football. And when you got Raheem Mostert and those guys behind that offensive line, they show what they've been able to do running that football. They did it the week before against New England Patriots, but most had that run late in the second half where he runs away from the lineman. All of a sudden, they make that a two-score game. So that's going to be – this is just my opinion. As much as we know about Tua Tungvalu wanting to throw the ball over the park, do not be surprised if Mike McDaniel comes out and says, you know what, we're going to go at the Buffalo's front four. We're going to go after you guys because we believe we can weaken you that way. Then it creates so many different mismatches that we can create against your opposing defense. So don't be surprised if Miami early on says, yeah, we know how big and bad you guys are. We're going to run the football at you because you got seven in the box and you're not going to bring down that safety and make it eight in the box because you leave your safeties in back in two deep coverage. I can see Miami Orlando doing that, establishing a running game to see exactly how tough that Buffalo defense, especially that front four, is going to be. Yeah, and now it's going to be all about, you know, Ed Oliver, Leonard Floyd. Absolutely. What can you guys get? Yep. But – if I'm Buffalo, I'm I'm dropping. You have to drop seven. You have to drop seven every single time and trust the fact that your front four is going to get to the quarterback if they do decide to, to rush the passer. But those linebackers got to be able to react quick, come downhill, and no missed tackles. That's where Miami gets, you know, that's where they, they run off with it. Right. And they're able to kind of explode because you do have those track stars. Raheem Moster a couple years ago was on – record in the National Football League. He had the fastest GPS time of everybody <laughs> when he played against the Jets. I think he hit like t- over 20 mile, 21 miles per hour, right? So <laughs> these guys could fly. And, you know, I just think that sometimes you get a little bit too enamored. And, you know, uh-huh. Mike McDaniels is my guy. I right. think Mike McDaniels is a absolute genius when it comes to the run game. But some po- at some point, you got to say, our front five, our offensive line, uh-huh. we are going to be able to move these guys backwards. We're going to deliver those body blows, body blows, body blows. And after, at the end of four quarter, like when we get to the fourth quarter, that's when we're going to get those big chunks. Like a three-yard run, you shouldn't be discouraged this week right. if you're Miami, if you get a three-yard run. That's an opportunity to deliver a body blow, and hopefully that turns into a 12-yard or a 14-yard run in the fourth quarter. You know you're too fast when they got to measure the GPS. Now with a timer, when they're using those kind of satellite imagery things to testify how fast you are, you know you are flying out of the park. Isaiah in Houston, thanks for hitting us up on Freddie and Harry with Orlando Franklin in for Harry Douglas and Freddie Coleman on ESPN Radio. Isaiah, which team, which entity this week in the NFL has the most to prove and why? Well, I think it'll be – I think it's going to be Buffalo uh, the most approved simply because everybody is still counting them out. You know, well, they, they still like, you know, Gage and Josh Allen is overrated, which I think he might be. But here's a fun stat for you. Okay. Over history, teams that score, that put up 60 points, the following week they are 1-6 against their next, appoint, uh, next opponent, you know, in history. So, I mean, I know that's just going out on a little limb there, but I think Buffalo might have something for Miami, might be able to slow them down here. But I do have a question for you okay. that I've been mean I've been trying to get in touch with you for about a week and some change. Okay. Like uh in regards to your Jets. Oh boy. <laughs> is is Philip Rivers fully retired? How come you're not getting that man, man? <laughs> he would be a great addition. 
Philip Rivers throwing the ball backwards would be better than Zach Wilson throwing the forwards. <laughs> but Philip Rivers is too busy being the head coach of a high school in his native state of Alabama. And plus, he's got 10 kids. He's got enough on his plate to not come out of retirement. But, but believe me, Isaiah in Houston, I'm not opposed to anybody, ABZ, anybody but Zach. I'm not opposed to anybody, Orlando, as long as that guy. Don't think for one second I haven't thought about this. Can you imagine what that's going to look like Sunday night? Mm. Taylor Swift in the building because been put out there. She's going to be there. Shake it off. Oh, she's going to be shaking it all over the place with her boot. Mm. Travis Kelsey trying to twerk all over the New York Jets when the Kansas City Chiefs play at MetLife Stadium. They say the average ticket has gone up from being $75 per ticket to over $350 per ticket just because you know who is going to be there watching her boyfriend do whatever to the New York Jets. Let Zach Wilson go out there and play like he did in the first half against the New England Patriots, against a team that we know will score more than 15 points the way mm. the Patriots did. That will be the last time we see Zach Wilson being a starting quarterback in the NFL. They can say whatever they want about, we support him, we believe in him, BS. They'll believe in him if he goes out there and does not embarrass this organization again. It's not about embarrassing himself, but embarrass his organization. And if he does that in front of Taylor Swift and wants to become a song, mm. he ain't going to be a quarterback the next week. I can promise you that. Yeah, because you're ruining the money. You, you, you're literally messing up the money at that point. And for average tickets to, to be $75, all of a sudden now it's $300. Taylor Swift's going to be in the building. Zach Wilson, you got to go out there. You got to show these people something. But I got a question for you as well, Freddie. Okay. Is it just on Zach Wilson or is it also on the offensive coordinator, Nathaniel Hackett? It's, it's, it's everybody. It's, it, like I said, to be fair, you never want to be Zach Wilson when an opposing linebacker named Willie Gay to Kansas City Chiefs when he was asked the question, what are your thoughts on the Jets scheme? And it became a humorous meme. When you look on tape, what are you seeing from Zach Wilson in their offense? Damn. That was a hard question. I can't lie. Uh, the team that want to run the ball, you know, uh, of course, man, you know, not, not, that wasn't, you know, to be funny or anything, but A-Rod got hurt and it turned into a team where, like, in panic mode almost. That's what I see, at least. And um, they got great running backs, so now they're just trying to pound and ground like they did. Uh, what, what, what game was that? Who did they just – I don't know if they won or not, but uh, I feel like the running back's been rolling. So, uh, like I say, three great ones. So, that's, I feel like that's their game plan. You know you stink when an opposing lineman is not even talking about the quarterback as a guy that we got to deal with mm. or a guy that we got to worry about. That yeah. tells me all I need to know that you can put it on Zach Wilson. You can put it on Nathaniel Hackett. I don't care how that split is, but the Jets have not been able to figure out what he can do best because Zach Wilson has shown he has not given them any reason to say this is what I can do that you guys can use and magnify to help me out and help out this offense. But to me, Freddie, that's on coaching. You got to figure it out. You know, my rookie What if they year, tried? My first year in the NFL was Tebow mania when we went from Kyle Orton to uh, Tim Tebow. You poor thing. It, it, oh, yeah. <laughs> it, it sucked. It was absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> Trying to figure out week in, week out, how did we win football games? Uh-huh. But I will tell you this. When we made the switch from Kyle Orton to Tim Tebow, the first two weeks, we first week, week one of that era, we went down to Miami. We found a way to get it done. Mm-hmm. We beat them in double overtime. I remember right? watching we were, that game, yeah. We were trying to run a pro-style offense still. Then week two, we got slaughtered here in Denver against Detroit, mm-hmm. right? Right after that, I walked in on Wednesday, and Tim Tebow was up on the drawing board 
talking with the offensive coordinator, offensive line coach, and all of a sudden about 30 new plays surfaced and showed up. But we started running a lot of things that he ran at Florida and said, okay, we're going to run this stuff because you're more comfortable in it. You understand this. You have a great feel for it. Like Tebow was teaching us the plays offensively, not the offensive coordinator, Mike McCoy, not the, uh, not the quarterback coach, you know, Adam, um, Adam, you can't, uh, Gates. You, can, you can't speak his name around me. Yeah. Adam yeah. Gates, please. Yeah, your he, guy. He, he's it, dead to not, me. It, it, your guy. <laughs> your <laughs> Jets guy. <laughs> but I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, Great offensive coordinators or good offensive coordinators, they figure out a way. Mm-hmm. They, they say, hey, you know I what? You. I get it. You're doing you know, 90% of the things wrong, but we're going to take the 10% of things that you do right, and we're just going to keep on rinsing and repeating. We're going to window dress the heck out of this thing. We're going to find a way to run this offense because this team was a Super Bowl favorite three weeks ago before Aaron Rodgers got hurt. So the talent is still there offensively. Mm-hmm. Now you just got to find a way to have some kind of success at the quarterback position. And to me, that's on coaching, especially where I was on that Tebow team. I'm saying, right? You, we beat the Steelers in the playoffs. Yeah, you know, yeah. we got it. There was games where we threw the ball eight times. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Tebow had two completions, and we still won. <laughs> we'll right, see, so you got to figure out a way. Well, see, you give me the solution to Jets' problems. I'm going to call the SEC Network tonight. <laughs> As if Tim Tebow's got anything left that he can play on Saturday. That's the solution to the Jets' problems right there. You just gave it to me. Maybe we can diagram some plays and inspire them. It'll be a lot better. It'll be any kind of better. What we see with the Jets right now, because Zach Wilson and the Jets have not been able to figure out that situation that's got to end sooner than later. Great stuff from Orlando Franklin, former NFL player. Hit him on Twitter at OFranklin74. I am Freddie Coleman. Hit me on Twitter at Coleman ESPN. Together on Freddie and Harry, presented by Progressive Insurance. And as bad as it is for the New York Jets, with a guy that may not be their quarterback in three weeks, at least he does not play for the Chicago Bears or the Denver Broncos. I'll preview the toilet bowl. Comes your way next on ESPN Radio. The Freddie and Harry Podcast. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. If you need Drew Holiday and Portland doesn't want to keep him, how much are you willing to give up for him? Orlando Franklin and I, Freddie, coming to get into that in 15 minutes on Freddie and Harry. Thanks for joining us. Presented by Progressive Insurance on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app. Don't forget about us on SiriusX and Channel 80. And always tell that smart speaker to play ESPN Radio. And it's toilet bowl time. You got the Denver Broncos on one side of the bathroom and the Chicago Bears on the other side of the bathroom. 
They have both a combined 0-6 in Orlando in the Super Bowl era. Only 2.4% of teams who started seasons 0-3 have overcome that start to make the postseason. It has not happened since the NFL expanded the regular season of 17 teams. The 2018 Houston Texans, the last 0-3 team to make the playoffs, that happened back in 2018. I'll throw this at you. Worst team situation, is it Denver or is it Chicago? Mm. Smells bad, doesn't it? It smells, <laughs> it smells so bad, but we're in the toilet bowl, so it's, uh, that's expected. Um, <laughs> worst, t- <laughs> worst team situation, Freddie. I, I got to go with um, the Broncos because okay. you have your Hall of Fame coach and you have your Hall of Fame quarterback. You know, with Justin Fields, last year, the Chicago Bears, they pivoted and they went in a different direction. They said, hey, we got a quarterback, we're gonna, but we're going to have a, a running back play the quarterback position. We're going to run this kid around and try to find success there. Mm-hmm. So now they went and got the wide receivers. They went and tried to figure some things out. You know, this is all new to them. With the Broncos, they've always believed that first it was we're a quarterback away. Right. And they've been saying that since 2015 when the Broncos won Super Bowl 50. Mm-hmm. And they finally went and got Russell Wilson a year ago. Now all of a sudden it became we're a coach away. And when you get 70 hung on you, you Oof. lose by 50. Uh, the whole world is watching. There are many different storylines that came out of the game as far as why that football team has been playing so bad. So I think there's the pressure is a lot more on the Denver Broncos in a situation like this. With Justin Fields, he's still on a rookie contract. You can go in a different direction. There's so many different things. Okay. I'm going to go to the other side when it comes to Chicago Bears, and here's why. Because at least I can look at the Broncos and think they may have a future because of Sean Payton. I look at the Bears, I don't see it. Mm -hmm. I don't see it from their head coach, Matt Eberflus. I don't see it from their offensive coordinator, Luke Getze. You got your quarterback, out in these streets when it comes to Justin Fields sounding defeated? I just know, you know, all the adversity I go through is going to make me stronger. So uh, as a person and as a player, so uh, just got to look at the bright side of things and think of yourself as going through adversity for a reason. That's what I've been doing. Just, I know it was a, a loss and the numbers are the numbers, but did you feel freer out there, less robotic, some of the things that you were talking about last week that you wanted to overcome? Yes, I did. Wow. Mm. When you have all that conversation, Orlando, that we had last week, and not even seven days later. Did you feel robotic? Yes, I did. <laughs> it's like he was. It was like he was on social media. Yes, three dots. I three dots did three dots. <laughs> That's what he sounded like. Not saying that. I, I'm still trying to figure out if Sean Payne's if he's going to figure it out. No. I know he brings that pedigree, but something seems to be misfiring. You understand this team. You understand the Broncos. Not saying that I expect him to be a world beater early on with Russell Wilson's quarterback, a defense that played pretty well despite their offense last year. That's why they moved on from Nathaniel Hackett. But it seems as if his message, Orlando, is not getting through the way that I thought it would have gotten through by now when it comes to the Denver Broncos. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why, for me, that's why I said the situation's worse in Denver because you do have that coach that has won, right? Out there in Chicago, they're trying to figure it out their own model. They're trying to figure out their own recipe. Sean Payton comes in, then this is what we're going to do. We're not going to have anonymous donors. We're not going to take the social media. Mm -hmm. uh, We're going to just sit here and work in silence until Sean Payton wants to talk. When he wants to talk, (laughs) he sits down and, you know, he he opens court. He says, hey, Uh I'm I'm available. Yeah, he's mouth almighty, tongue everlasting. Exactly. So he's talking about he's going to be really pissed off at this team. It's not going to suit a playoff team this year. Well, I look at the coaching staff. Last week, forget last week. 
But mm-hmm. look at the first two games for the Broncos. Sean Payton, you were outcoached by Josh McDaniels and the Las Vegas Raiders. I look at then week two going against the Washington Commanders. The Broncos, again, outcoached. So Russell Wilson is fixed, but now when are you going to start holding everybody else accountable? And when you pay a guy like Mike McGlinchey to be the highest paid right tackle in the National Football League, I don't even think he's in the top half of the National Football League as far as his play out there on the football field. Mm -hmm. So then you go pay Ben Powers as well. Same exact situation. Uh, You're paying Garrett Bowles your left tackle. Everybody on this Broncos offense looks like they want to have a my bad moment where it's my bad, I'll get get it next time. I'll fix it. Cortland Sutton, big fumble, right? That leads into a touchdown for the Dolphins. You're not a good football team. You're trying to change the culture. You can't have these my bad moments. And when you go and trade for a Hall of Fame quarterback, you go and trade for a Hall of Fame coach, you expect to not have these issues that the Broncos have been struggling with through the first three weeks. Orlando Franklin and for Harry Douglas joining me, Freddie Coleman on Freddie and Harry on ESPN Radio. You mentioned Sean Payton, and he talked about it. I'm not saying it's the most important game for him as a Broncos head coach or more than a minute, but he really wants to get this one. It would mean a lot, you know. Um, then I could answer the fun questions. <laughs> um, we need a win, you know, and Chicago does too. They do too, so... Um, and, and that's why I think, you know, we got to win these days, Wednesday, Thursday. We got to, you know, I thought today was a really, really good practice. Um, we have to follow that up tomorrow. But a, a win would mean a lot for us right now. You know you are bad when you're trying to go 1-0 at practice. Mm. You know you are not a good football team. Hey, today we didn't lose practice. Not a game. We didn't lose practice. Yeah, I've never heard Sean Payton sound like that. Because when I hear something like that, Orlando, that tells me that this is a lot harder than he thought it was going to be in Denver. When he thought, I got a ready-made quarterback, I got a defense that can play well, I know I can bring the running game to the table to help that quarterback, I got receivers on the outside. Chicago and Denver, listen to me. You can't use your quarterbacks as scapegoats while you're 0-3. Chicago, you can't place everything on Justin Fields. This is everybody. Hey, Denver, you can't place it on Russell Wilson. Based on the last couple of weeks, it's everybody but him. If you're Sean Payton, you're trying to go 1-0 and at practice from a guy that's won a Super Bowl championship? That tells me everything I need to know that this has turned out to be a lot harder than Sean Payton thought it was going to be the Denver Broncos. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and I think that when you look at this thing, Freddie, how they've lost, right? Sean Payton is the coach to decide to open up the 2023 season with the onside kick. That's what he did against the Las Vegas Raiders. Gave them a short field, right? right. A team that hasn't found success, hasn't gelled together, but he decided to give them a short field right. because of the illegal touching and all that. But at the same time, you start doing some of these things and all of a sudden, uh-huh. uh, and I'm going to tell you, listen to it out there. I've been in the NFL. I've been on great teams. There's a there's thing called a bottom five. They have, there's Every locker room has it. Guys that are upset with their playing time and the fact that they don't get to shine and why coach won't put me in or, or give me the ball more. Right. The bottom five starts eating at a locker room. And when you're a coach like Sean Payton, 
comes in from day one and say, we're going to do things this way. Mm-hmm. And you now start doing things the opposite way in front of the media before the season starts. Absolutely. Then the season does start the onside kick. And this is how we're going to start. And you're losing football games and you're being out coached. You desperately now need a win because you're afraid of losing that locker room. Cause I'm telling you that bottom five in Denver, it's probably a bottom 15 now with the Broncos being 0 and three. One of my friends is Buster Owen. does a great job covering baseball for ESPN. He told me something not too long ago. He says, you do not want players and coaches sounding like they're in hostage videos. That's what Justin Fields sounded like. (laughs) (laughs) That's what Sean Payton sounded like. And Buster Olney, when he told me that not too long ago, he is spot on. Because the last thing you want is your quarterback sounding like, man, can somebody help me get out of here? Because Sean Payton sounded exactly like that, saying, man, I know I'm getting a lot of money, but whoo. Man, when you get when you start talking about people, man. Today we won practice, mm. not a game. Today we won practice. This is something to build on. Sean Payton probably never thought in a million football years he would have to worry about his team going one and zero on a Wednesday practice. I yeah. guarantee you, Justin Fields never thought in his short NFL career he'd be talking about still playing like he's in a hostage video. That's where we are with the toilet bowl involving the 0-3 Bears and the 0-3 Broncos. Yeah, something's got to shake loose, right, when you look at both of these teams. And if you're Justin Fields, I I think it's simple with Justin Fields. What is it? Get him into the game, right? I am going five wide early in this football game, and I'm calling it up quarterback draw. I'm going to allow him to use his legs with a lighter box and now let him feel a little bit more comfortable, find a little bit of success, do the things that we know that he's capable of doing. And hopefully, you know, that trickles in, you know, more often than not throughout the course of a football game and you're able to find a win. Either way, that's going to be a very interesting game. On three Bears, on three Broncos. Maybe somebody can get out of hostage impairment and find a way to get a win to make their, their sure they're one and three and not oh and four. He is Orlando Franklin in for Harry Douglas. I'm Freddie Coleman. Appreciate you joining us on Freddie and Harry. Keep weighing in on Twitter. We'd love to see what you have to say at OFranklin74. That's O's handle, my handle at Coleman ESPN. You can always join the conversation on the Dr. Pepper call in line at triple eight say ESPN eight 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 seven two nine three seven seven six. Let us know who has the most to prove in the upcoming NFL week for the kicks off tonight with Detroit and Green Bay. Kick that off, 888-729-3776. Somebody said it should not be the Miami Heat that should be on the phone to the Portland Trailblazers to get Drew Holiday now. We need to find out who said that and what team that should be after Drew Holiday now. That's next on ESPN Radio. The Freddie and Harry Podcast. So who wants the worker man known as Drew Holiday because it does not seem that Portland's going to keep him when it's all said and done. With my man Orlando Franklin in for Harry Douglas. I'm Freddie Coleman together on Freddie and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app. Series XM Channel 80 and always tell your smart speaker to play ESPN Radio. Because Brian Windhorst, Orlando Franklin, and we're going to listen to what Brian Windhorst has to say. EB, ESPN NBA Insider, when he was on the Who Collected podcast. He believes that this team will say, hey, Drew, you need to be here. Boston, I think, kicked the tires on Dame. Uh, I don't know how far they got, but I know that they kicked the tires. Drew Holiday's been a thorn in the Celtics' side for years now. Now, they squeezed through that series two years ago, but it was a rough one. Drew Holiday yeah. gives them problems. So yeah. while you may look at the, um, at the East and say, oh, man, Milwaukee's far and away the leader, and they did jump up to the number one 
uh, Canada, you know, in the sports books already. But if you're, if you're the Celtics, you're like, you know what, we, we kind of just, now we don't have to deal with him and we might be able to get him. So if I was the Celtics, Bon Temps, I would be on the phone. Brian Windhorst, I am 100% with you. You add Drew Holiday to Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Christos Porzingis, I am 100% in on that. Yeah, I love it. You know, you especially look at just Marcus Smart, right? He's gone because of the Porzingis trade. But you look at just how Boston, how great that they are as a defensive team already. Mm-hmm. And now you could go get a Drew Holiday to help even strengthen that up. Mm-hmm. But a player that plays unselfish basketball on a mm-hmm. team that already has the stars. Come on now, now you take a little bit of pressure off of everybody that's in that building. Come on now. Where it doesn't have to be my night every single night. Mm-hmm. You know, I could take a back seat and let Drew Holiday spin today and Porzingis go today or, you know, um, Brown, Jalen Brown or whoever go. It just would be a great situation. And it now says, hey, like it or not, everybody in the East – it's going to be Milwaukee versus Boston as far as who's coming out the East, right? Yeah, one of the things about that trade, it, it, it was so seismic because if you're a Cleveland Cavaliers team and you believe you're going to come up with Donovan Mitchell and also Darius Garland and those guys in the front line, you're thinking, okay, now we really got to deal with that guy that's a point producer when it comes to Damian Lillard. If you're the New York Knicks where you've been able to add a little bit of depth, although they still don't have inside scoring, but you believe you got enough with Julius Randle, Jalen Brunson, and R.J. Barrett, you get Dante DiVincenzo, you re-sign Josh Hart, you think you can do some things. If you're the Boston Celtics, you think we might need to go get Drew Holiday. We can't allow him to just languish out in Portland and not have a chance. We bring him here, maybe take a step above again Milwaukee in that arms race. That's how seismic that trade was that Milwaukee made because now everybody in the East has to say, we got to be able to compete because they got two dudes that can get it done down the stretch and that will complement each other. You mentioned before we had the pre-show meeting guys like that, always find a way to make sure the other is going to be better, not at the expense of their game. And you got two guys that are going to be so self-motivated collectively motivated to say, yeah, this is going to work. You know why? Because I do not have to worry about the commitment when it comes to Damian Lillard. And Damian Lillard can look at Giannis Antetokounmpo and say, I do not have to worry about your commitment level. That's how seismic this trade was, getting Damian Lillard to go to the Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah, I think when you look at both of these guys, too, they could all sleep at night very comfortably with the same common goal. You know, this trade ensures that we're going to have an opportunity to create a dynasty, to bring multiple championships. We're both still very young. Our contract's up at the same time here in the next couple years, right? So we could get it done. We've been two of the top five scorers in the NBA the last couple years. So now let's make it all work together because guys are going to be knocking at the door to come play with us. Mm -hmm. So we could keep this thing together for many, many years. Now, the thing that's interesting to me when you look at Boston, right? I mean, Boston's going to get worse some way, somehow, right? With a trade like this, looking at Drew Holiday, right? So uh, you would have to give up some guys, right? Do you give up Brogdon and, and Al Horford? That's, I, I would. Yeah, so, you know, that's over 32, that's almost $33 million off your books right there. And now you're just saying, hey, we could go a little bit smaller when we do play against the Milwaukee Bucks. Like, that, that's all it does. But I still think that you now have the firepower to kind of run guys off the court night in, night out. 
And it's just like you're coming in waves right now if you're Boston with a trade like that. Meanwhile, Miami, they don't have Damian Lillard. Orlando Franklin, Freddie Coleman together, Freddie and Harry on ESPN Radio. Chris Canty, co-host on Sportsman, like Monday through Friday on ESPN Radio from 6, 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern time with Evan Cohen and Michelle Smallman. He didn't just go ham on the heat. He went the whole pig. How long does this window have with Miami? Jimmy You're Butler right. is 34 You're years right. old. They should have made They're a not deal. good enough to win a title. You're They're right. not good enough to beat whoever comes out of the West. And they They're not. They should They're have not made close. You're right. Everything so even if they saying. get to the finals, they're not close. I don't think they're going to get to the finals, but they're not close. They're, they don't have the talent that the Boston Celtics do. They don't have the talent that the Milwaukee Bucks do. The Miami Heat are not close. The Dame Lillard trade would put them on par with all of those teams, but they didn't get him. You, everything you're saying is fair, but they didn't have the so talent. So what's the last point? Because it's not, we've what seen you want, it the other you want, way. You want a participation trophy? Oh, we got close. <laughs> no, but we've I'm been saying in, we've been in two finals over the last four years. Great. That's better and than you, a lot of you other lost teams. in five and you lost in six. You're not close. Evan Cohen's a brave man to go up against somebody who's six eight three thirty. Mm. Yeah, he is. <laughs> he just sounds angry, right? Like, I'm raised up in my chair like, dang, what's getting ready to happen here? <laughs> the, the death of Evan Cohen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But Miami, that's a team that with that heat culture, you can embrace it. But let's be honest. If Giannis is a lot more healthier, the way he was not in that first game of that series, we're having a different conversation. Maybe the Heat are more strenuous going after a guy like Damian Lillard instead of relying on heat culture, even though they lost a lot of pieces in the offseason. Either way, the Miami Heat, Milwaukee Bucks, and Eastern Conference NBA, stay tuned. He's Orlando Franklin, in for Harry Douglas. Joining me, Freddie Coleman on Freddie and Harry. You can join the conversation at 888-ESPN-888-729-3776. Who has the most approving week four? We'll hear from you, and you'll hear from us next on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to the Freddie and Harry podcast on ESPN Radio. You can also listen to Freddie and Harry live weekdays from 3 to 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. You can also watch and listen on the ESPN app, the Freddie and Harry podcast.